Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. time would you just say what's up all right just throw throw a hand up so we know we can put something in your hands and ushers just give them something to put we just want to find out a little bit about you social security number last name date of birth (laughs) income (laughs) amen we welcome you All right, now that you got those papers, what you have to do, each of you have to come up to the front. You have to give a 15-minute bio on yourselves. I'm kidding. Relax. Sit down. All right, y'all ready? Oh, come on. Y'all ain't ready. Candace, are they ready? Are you ready? You ready for the, the life-changing, word-transforming word of God? Come on. All right. If three of you are ready, we'll get started then. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. I love standing right here. It's got this like natural light. It's just like God shining on me. It gives a good effect, right? Only I guess get like I'm at a high point and the clouds will come and darken. And like what is that supposed to mean, you know? It's a little scary. Well, amen, amen. We are, we are truly... Don't make, don't make me shout you out. <laughs> we are truly kind of just enjoying the overflow from the weekend. It was about... We spent about, what, 30, 40 hours here. So I can't even believe some of you came back to, to, sit, to sit again. I know I couldn't sit again, so if it's all right, if you need to stand, only if you were here for the 40 hours of the, of the, of the conference, you can stand and stretch your legs if you need to. But I'm going to be quick and to the point, I promise. And I believe God has a, a word and a message that can truly, truly change you. Amen? Not because it's mine, but because it's God's. Amen? So if you're ready, would you just stand one moment? Let's just kind of just get that position. Say, I'm ready. Would you just stand? Amen. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that you have a good word for each and every one of us. I thank you that you are the good word for each and every one of us. We receive it. We ask you to change us. We ask you to speak to us. We ask you, Lord God, that we would never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, have a seat. Tell somebody he's talking to you. Amen. Listen, we started, we started, I started a series last year, right around this time. We started it on Easter. So it was right around this time last year at the old building. And it was a, it was a a message, a series titled Risking Church. 
And if you remember those of you that were there, and this was the opening quote from that message. I just need you to hear this. Imagine belonging, I mean, really belonging to a special family. Imagine living in a safe place, bless you, where people bless you when you sneeze. Imagine living in a safe place where you can risk being known and still feel accepted. Imagine being in a place where people have a vision for who you can be and are willing to walk with you to realize that vision. What if you discovered that not only does such a place exist, but also that the power to see this vision become reality is already in your possession? What if you realize that this place is and should always be the church? And we... We, we did this series for months, and, and what we did for months after that, we really kind of put it to a test. We said, if we're going to risk church, then we have to take some risks. And so what we did every Sunday after that, it lasted for months, is every Sunday we gave one person from the church four minutes and a mic. That was dangerous. That puts fear in the heart of every pastor, every leader to say, we're just going to let anybody in the church have four minutes and a mic to share about who you are and what God has done or what God is doing. And so we did that every week. It was incredible. Do you guys remember that? Four minutes in a mic, truly risking church. And I got to tell you, the only reason, I made a promise back then that we'll do this forever. The only reason it stopped is because after all of the bold people, so yeah, they were fighting every day, lining up, give me, put my name on the list. And, and after they were all the, you know, the, those kind of people went, then the shy people were like, no, chill, chill, not me up there, people, no, no, no. And so that's the only reason it stopped. So I don't want you to think I stopped it or, or I gave up on it. But I want you to note that we started this last year around this time. And here we are a year later in a building three times the size with an extra hundred or so people. Amen. I really believe, listen, I, I really believe it's about risking church it's about having true community not the fake stuff amen thank you eric i and and see so many of us we got to know each other in ways that would have taken years if at all right candace is one of them she's like yep and and what you know what really got to what we really got to do is we really got to test community we really got to test it and see if this thing really works we tested community, and many of the people, this was really awesome, many of the people that shared their lives during those months are not only still here, right? But they're vibrant members, participating body of Christ members up in this church. Amen? So, so what that means is they got up here, 
and bared themselves before you, four minutes in a mic, shared their, their, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and people still loved them. And people still accepted them. To be fully known, more so, thank you, more so than when they were coming pretending everything's good. How many of you know we, we dress the part on Sunday sometimes, right? Pretending everything's good. So, you know, family, I I want you, I want, I long for, and I think there's a part in everybody's heart that we long for true community. We're wired that way, right? Jesus is is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. He, Jesus is community all by himself. Do you understand? God is community. He's three in one. He is community all by, even alone, he's community. And we were created in his image. We're image bearers. We were wired for community. Right? Everybody that thinks, nah, man, I'm like my own person, man. I like to be alone. I just, I'm all about me. I just got to be, you know, I'm all, it's just me. I don't need nobody. I don't need, you're lying to yourself and you know it. You cry alone. You cry alone when nobody's watching. You cry because you don't want that. You want to be around people. You want community. The problem is there have been too many ugly people in your life. And so you don't want to open up anymore. There have been too many ugly stuff going on in your life. So, so it's better to be alone and depressed than to be with people and hurt. Than to risk. But, but you, gotta, you just got to know, if you're visiting us for the first time, you got to know we are about risking church to have true community. Amen? See, um, that's not only what God did, but even when Jesus came in the flesh, the incarnation of Christ... Incarnation means God in the flesh. It comes from a Latin word, incarne, in the flesh, right, Hispanics? Incarne, in the flesh. So when Jesus was in the flesh, he taught and demonstrated this. He was about community. He taught and demonstrated it so that we can teach and demonstrate it. It was an atmosphere of community. Listen, church, I want, I want, I, I want so desperately to have a church community where God could be everything that He is. Amen? I don't think you realize how deep that is. I don't think I realize even what I'm asking for. I was kind of nervous during the prophetic conference. There was stuff going on that, wow, it'll scare you to death. And, and, and yet here I am on Sunday saying, I want a church where God could be everything that He is. It's a little scary. But I, I want it. I want it. Amen? Does anybody want that? Does anybody want real, real church? Real community? Put your hands together for Jesus. <laughs> I like that. I like that, brother. I like that, brother. Listen, we've been doing a, a series called Name Dropping, and we've just been talking about all the names of God, right? And I, and I told you, even when we started designing this place, when this was just an empty warehouse, and we had no idea, even before I had a lease, I started drawing up all these plans for this place, and I told you, in the lobby, we're going to put all the names of God all over that wall. And, and when, as I was drawing that, I felt God whisper in my heart and say, whatever name you put there, I'll be in that church. So I'm just, I'm taking a break from that series today just to bring you this message titled, Fully Known. Because to be fully known and still be accepted is to be truly loved. Amen? 
See, for too long, the church has been happy to be faking it or faking it to be happy. Anybody know what that's like? How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, praise the Lord. He just got his car towed for tickets. He's got a a thing on his house that says if he doesn't pay the rent by the next month, he's, how you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Hallelujah. In his finest attire, faking it, right? You, You ever met people like that? Right? You ever been people like that? Right? Thank you for being real. Amen. We're not just talking about people on the outside. It's us, right? We, we're the down and dirty that we talk about. Right? We're, let's not front. Right? So, so but, you know, we've been faking it for too long. Amen? And if there's something that you must know about me, I can't tolerate fakeness. I hate hypocrites. And, and I think that's a nature of God that's in me that, that, that can't stand fakeness for me bring it real or stay home amen that we should put that on the on the on the door bring it real or stay home don't come fake it here bring it i don't care if you came here with all your ugly i don't care if you had to ex- extinguish the, the bud right at the door before you came in then then to to, to stop a block away and, and put all the pharmaceuticals away out of your car and then come in and spray that jesus cologne and then walk in with your big bible that you haven't even cracked open in months Right? Don't don't come like that. Come real. Because when you're real, God can deal with you. Amen? When we're fake, we don't even know we need God. We're so fake. Everything is so phony, so fake. It's worship time. Okay, we worship. It's prayer time. We bow our heads. It's word time. We pretend to be interested. Right? Oh, open your Bibles. Okay. You open in a magazine that you have because you think I don't see behind, behind the chairs. You know what I'm saying? You're looking down like you have a Bible. There's no Bible there. You think, you know, like it matters. Like it don't matter to me. It is for you. Amen. I read it already. Bring it, bring it real or stay home. You might fool me for a minute. I might fool you for a minute. But to God, you and I are fully known. Isn't that scary? But, but relieving at the same time. Do you know that like you can fake it for everybody, but to God, He fully knows you? Fully knows you. Every lie, every deceit, every good thing, every bad thing, every, every, everything. He knows whether you're boxers or briefs. He knows every little thing. You know what I'm saying? He, I mean, you are fully known to God and still loved. I thought you guys were ready. See, the reason I believe so many churches start up and then, and then fail, or, or they start up, they blow up, they see these incredible, tremendous results, and then they stay there and slowly grow stagnant and, and, and die, is probably because... See, the word says God uses the foolishness of this world to confound the wise, right? Because, listen, you have to be foolish to be a Cuban like me and think that he could plant a church with me. I didn't go to Bible school. I didn't have this, this upbringing where I grew up in Jesus all my life. I didn't. So you have to be a little foolish to think you could plant a church. And so I planted a church with another bunch of foolish people that believed in me. And, and so when you start something like that, you depend on God for any kind of success. You understand? When, because you know that you're a clown and the guys with you are clowns. And, and like, how can God do anything? If God is going to do anything, it's going to be Him. 
Only he can do it. And so, so you rely on him so much. You know every, you just depend on him for any success. If anything's going to happen, you know, we rely on his presence. You rely on his power. You rely on his unconditional love and acceptance. And, and at that point, you tolerate anything. You're willing for anybody to come to your church. You are so happy when anybody comes in. Right? <laughs> you say, God... I'm so excited that they even want to be here. I'm so, I don't care who they are or how they smell or what they look like. I'm just so happy that they want to be here. But once you have a little success, right? Once you, once you taste a little success, once you, once you kind of get into the swing of things and you say, wow, you know, we're, we, we, we do this thing, amen? Sanctuary brings it, right? And, and, and we, you know, once you taste a little success, it, you kind of stop, stop relying so much on that. And, and, you know, you stop relying so much on, on, you know, you get sophisticated. And once you grow up and get sophisticated, then, then we trust that the worship teams will bring the glory. We trust that the worship team is just going to bring heaven down on earth because they're that good. We trust the anointing of the worship team is just going to blow people away. And then, then we trust on the building. We say, man, the building is going to attract people. This building is beautiful. Once we paint the outside and do the signs, people are just going to be fighting to get in here. And so we trust on the building to attract the people. And then we even trust in, in personalities. We say, man, I can preach. I know I can preach. And so, and so you trust on, on personalities to bring the response and to bring the transformation. You ever met any professional preachers? There's plenty. Professional preachers. And I'm not saying I'm bad about them. They're good. They, I listen to some professional preachers because I just, I love the style. I love the flavor that they have. But, but, but sometimes there's, there's anointing is missing. The power is missing. Right? There's an awesome style. There's an awesome personality. But there's no power. There's no character. There's no integrity. There's a difference. Amen? So, you know, we, after we do that, we're a little pickier. Before, we were happy to have the town drunk and the three resident crackheads come in because at least they filled the seats and we were happy. Even though they only came in for the free coffee. And then they would fall asleep through the whole service. But we didn't care because then we could say, oh, yeah, there was like 15 people on this side. Forget it. There was a lot of people. Right? And, and we count them. But then when we get a little pickier, we say, you know what? We need to ask that brother to step out. If he can't clean himself up, he don't need to be up in this church. He's dirty in the new seats. Right? At least, or at least when he comes in, direct him to the old, the blue seats. Don't let him sit on the brown seats, man. We pay good money for those seats. Those chairs are new. They're new. Don't sit like messed up people on the chairs. Right? And so we start to get a little pickier. We want, you know, strong families. We want contributing members of society to come, right? And then the worst part about it is at that point, we start to tell God who to be, what to do, at what time to do it, and for how long. And the saddest thing about that is that we, we're so preoccupied and so busy that we don't even realize when he stops showing up. See, we... Uh, you you got to believe, if you've ever prayed with us in the back, you know, I tell them every week, I, I try to, God humbles me and I try to humble everybody in there. I tell the guitar player, you ain't that good. I tell the drummer, you good, but you ain't that good. 
I tell the worship pastor, brother, you can, but you're not all that. If God doesn't show up, we got nothing. And, and right, anybody testify, you've been in the prayer room with us. I make sure we're all humbled before we leave. I want us to be encouraged, but humbled. Because I don't want anybody coming out here on their own things. Like we got it going on. We don't. We don't. We can blow it one Sunday and half of you will never come back. Because of something that we do in our own flesh. Half of you will not come back. We could empty this church in two Sundays. But, but it's God. So we just trust God. And so we depend on God. And we depend on, on His power. You know, I, and, and I've been hearing awesome testimonies. We had so many people here from different churches for the conference. And they kept telling me things that, wow, just got me so happy about the church. But one, one lady kind of blew me away. She said, listen, I was talking on the phone as I was walking down the block from Westchester Avenue. And the moment I hit the edge of your building, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't move. I just started feeling God's presence. She said, the moment I hit the edge of your warehouse, I just, oh, I didn't even know where the church was. I didn't even know that was the church. Because if you know, we don't have too many signs out there, right? And the sign on that edge of the building says, Lord Day. That's the, the realtor. We don't even own that part of the warehouse, and there's anointing on it already. At an overflow, amen? She hit the warehouse side of it with trucks and junk, and she started feeling the anointing. She, said, she told the person on the phone, I, I got to get off the phone. I'm at church. She was in the street in the corner by the warehouse. She said, I got to get off the phone. I'm at church. So, I mean, that's just incredible to have God's uh, presence in a building. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those that build it, build it in vain. He says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat because he grants sleep to those he loves. Do you know that God grants sleep to those he loves? He must love my wife. She loved to sleep. He must love her. I, I'm good with four or five hours. I don't know, he just likes me. But listen, family, I don't care if there's three or four hundred more people by this time next year. We still need God more than ever. God gets the glory. God attracts the people. God, only God can bring true transformation. And I still want to do it God's way. Amen? And the way he did it was incarnate, incarnate, God in the flesh. He was in community. Being God, he fully knew people and he still accepted them. That's, that's like revolutionary if you would just get that in your head. He, being God, he fully knew people. Nothing was hidden because he was God, right? So Jesus in the flesh knew, he fully knew and still loved and accepted. He fully, there was nothing he didn't know about Peter. When, when he called them to work alongside him in the ministry, he knew that Peter was loud. He knew that Peter was, in our terms, gangster. Peter was gangster. Peter was just like, he'll say anything before he thought about it. He'll open up his mouth and he'll chop somebody's ear off because they're looking at Jesus without even asking if that's what Jesus wanted. Right? Peter, I mean, Peter was gangster when it, when it comes right down to it. But God fully knew everything about him, still called him to ministry. And, 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 and what did he say about Peter? Upon this rock, I'll build my church. Amen? God said, on this gangster, I'll build my church. Wow. 
He knew everything about the disciples. He knew that they would gossip. He knew they would backbite each other. He knew that they would argue about who's going to sit on his left and who's going to sit on his right. And he still called them. He still fully knew them and then still fully accepted them. He knew that when he really was going to need them, when he really was going to need them to surround him and to encourage him, that they would fall asleep. He knew that when things got really hot in the hood, that they would just disappear. That they would scatter, they would run. He knew that. Still fully known and he still accepted them. Still called them. Did you know that there was nothing that he didn't know about Judas? Did you ever think about that? There was nothing he didn't know about Judas. Judas was still his boy, walking with him, casting out demons, healing the sick, being taught and discipled, and and, and he knew. Fully known and still accepted. There was nothing he didn't know about Zacchaeus, the tax collector, and, and still he went to his house and broke bread with him and brought salvation to his house because that's who Jesus said, I didn't come for the, I came for the sick. It's the sick that need a doctor, not the well. And so he was always hanging out in sinners' houses. Amen? Hanging out with you guys. With us, with us. He was in, in, incarnational that way. There was nothing that he didn't know. How about, you remember that story about the woman that was caught in adultery? Right? This woman, these guys, they were just trying to trap Jesus, but they caught, supposedly caught this woman in adultery, and they, they dragged her naked in the street to Jesus to try to trap him. And they say, and you know, look, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. You know that she's supposed to be stoned according to the law. Jesus fully knew her. Fully knew each one of them. He knew they were trying to trick him. He knew they were trying to trap him. He still accepted them and in love convicted them. Convicted them to the point where they walked away. And knowing her, knowing whether, you know, he, he knew for real if she was caught in adultery. He knew her life. Fully knew her. He still not only accepted her, but he loved her and he protected her. And then he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Amen? Does somebody long to hear those words today? Neither do I condemn you. I love you. I accept you. And I fully know you. I know everything about you. And I still accept you. Jesus fully knew the woman that he met at the well that day. Do you remember that story in John chapter 4? In fact, he knew, I believe, he knew she was going to be there. I believe he went there to meet her. Go open your Bibles to John chapter 4. This is just one that I want to linger in for a moment. In John chapter 4, go ahead and fake looking in your fake Bibles. Open your cell phones and pretend that you just got a smartphone with a Bible when you're texting the other guy on the other side. John chapter 4, I know some of you really have Bibles in your smartphones. Just messing with you. John chapter 4. I, 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 this, this story is great. Listen, Je- Jesus is on the way back to Galilee, and the shortest way to get there was to go through Samaria. But the Jews hated the Samarians so much that they, didn't, they never went through there. They would go around Samaria. That's how much disdain they had for them. They wouldn't go through that hood. They'd go around the hood. Jesus went right through because I believe he was going there to meet this woman. He knew what was going to happen, right? So Jesus goes through Samaria. It's such an awesome setup. 
How many of you, some of you today, you were set up. You're here because you're set up. If you didn't know, it's too late now. You can't leave. Joe's not going to let you walk out. But this was a setup. Some of you got set up. That's why you're here today. You're going to hear a message to change you, but you were set up. So Jesus walked through this, this town. He goes through Samaria and through this village of Sychar. And there was this woman. He sits at a well like he don't know what's going on. He's fully God. He sits at this well, and this woman comes to the well to get water, because at that time you had to get water from a well to bring back to your house, right? We didn't have plumbing and PVC and brass and all that. So, so she, this woman comes, it says that she comes at the height of the day, of the, you know, the height of the sun, it's noon. The sun is at the hottest point. What you need to know about that is that nobody comes out to get water at the hottest point. The women of the community and them, those that have to get the water, they would come out really, really early to get the water before the sun is at the highest. She wouldn't come at that time, so she was obviously an outcast. Somebody say she wasn't accepted. She was not accepted. She was probably had a bad reputation. Can, can we safely say that? Because she comes at the worst time of the day because she knows nobody's going to be there. That's why she's there at this time to get water because she knows nobody's going to be there. So nobody's going to talk about her. Nobody's going to gossip. Nobody's going to throw things at her. Nobody's going to try to kill her. You know, she knows nobody's going to be around, but Jesus is there. He fully knew this woman. And, and Jesus meets her right there in her pain, in her struggle. He meets her right there in all of her sin. The text says he asked her for a drink. Now, this is not some lady that's trying to get her life back together. This is not some lady that's like some of you, man, you had a rough life and now you're trying to pick up the pieces and do right. No, this lady had made some pretty horrible decisions in her life and she was in the midst of all of those consequences right now. It doesn't tell us anything in the text about she's trying to come to God or she's trying nothing. She's in her funk and, and living in it and that's who she is. That's all that we can take from the text. And so Jesus meets her right there in her pain. He says, can I have a drink? And, you know, we don't know her full story or all the things that led up to this, but this is a woman that's just learned how to cope, how to manage her life up to this point. And she's there at the worst time of the day because nobody comes at that time. And her reaction to Jesus in verse 7, if you look at verse 7, Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? And the Samaritan woman, taken aback, it says... I picture the whole neck rolling. Oh, no, you didn't. Right? The whole. She got ghetto on him. She said, you, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? See, that was two big no-nos. First of all, the, the Jews don't talk to the Samaritans. Nonetheless, we're definitely not going to share a cup. And the Jewish men don't talk to Jewish women, don't talk to any women in public. They won't even speak to their wives in public. Isn't that crazy? Like, honey, sky there. Wherever we go, we speak at home. That was just custom. That was the culture. They, they can't speak in public. Cray, I know some of you Puerto Ricans will lose your mind, right? You can't get down with that. But anyway. So, so she says, what are you, a Jew, asking me, a Samaritan and a woman, for a drink? It says there in, in verse 7. 
He says, it says, Jews in those days, it says right in your word, wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans nor Jewish men speaking to women in public. And Jesus answered, let's check this out. If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. And I would give you fresh living water. And the woman said, sir, because she, she's, she's not about to be played by anybody. She, she looked at him. She said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with. And this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Right? Somebody know she was from Brooklyn? I knew y'all were thinking that. <laughs> she, was, she said, bro, living water. Look at you. You're in a robe. You ain't even got no cup. How are you going to get me this living water? She was suspect, right? Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within them, gushing fountains of endless life. And the woman said, sir, then give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. I don't ever want to come back to this well again. See, she doesn't ever want to come back to this well. She hates having to come back to this well and draw water at the hottest part of the day. She hates that no one's going to talk to her. She hates, she would rather stay home and live in her misery than feel like she's not accepted anywhere she goes. She hates coming here. She won't come when the other ladies are here because she knows that they'll be... and people will talk about her. She knows that they'll be, they'll be backbiting and gossiping. She knows that, that her children, if she has any, would, would it be subject to all that. She hates coming to this well. She said, then, then give me a drink so I'll never have to come here again. And, and look what Jesus did. This is messed up. Jesus says, okay, go call your husband and then come back. Say, set up. She says, uh, like some of you do in the prophetic, you're, uh, I have no husband, she said. And Jesus said, that's nicely put, I have no husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. Somebody say, why Jesus got to go there? <laughs> Ain't that messed up? Why Jesus got to go there? He just promised the living water, but... See, because God has to deal with your sin. And he can't ignore it. He can't ignore it. They're, they're alone. She's not, he's not putting her laundry out there for everybody, even though everybody already knows. But he had to let her know, I fully know you. Yeah, you have no husband. You've had cinco. And the one you're living with now is somebody else's chia or whatever. Talk about being fully known, right? He had to let her know that you are fully known. Uh, he knew it all. He obviously had to deal with her sin. There, there was no ignoring it. It is what it is. But I think it's in here too because we're so quick to judge people, aren't we? We're so quick to, to look at people and, and judge them and put them in categories. We say, well, this one can't do this because they're not qualified. This one is pregnant. This one still smokes. This one still drinks. This one I heard when they get angry, I hear the language coming out of that one's mouth. Forget it. That one don't belong in church. Right? We're so quick to judge people and put them in all these, these things. And I think Jesus is saying to us through this story, watch me take this unqualified, unloved, confused broken, abused, outcast, shell of a woman 
and transform her and use her to bring revival to an entire village. Just two people got excited with that? That was like the climax. I thought that was like going to have everybody running around the building. He said, watch me take this no good, broken, empty, unqualified woman who thinks she's worth nothing, who thinks she's not even good enough, she doesn't even deserve anything, who, who thinks, and watch me take her and use her and make her an evangelist and make her start revival in a village for three days where people get saved, everybody. That's what happened, you know, in this story. He said... In other words, he said, watch me love the hell out of this woman. Come on, that's good. See, we, a lot of us think we can beat the hell out of people. We can preach the hell out of people. We can talk or even walk the hell out of people. But you have to love with an unconditional love to be able to love the hell out of people. And that's the way Jesus did it. Amen? Say amen. amen. See, it's a love that says to someone, you are fully known and I still accept you. You're garbage. Everything you've hidden, God knows. You are fully, ex fully, fully known. And God today still brought you here to set you up to let you know that you're accepted. Man, whisper to somebody, say thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. I don't deserve it. Does anybody feel that way? I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Say, God, I don't deserve this, God. You know my junk. You know what I think. Even when I'm sitting in church, you know what I'm thinking, God. And you still love me and accept me. This woman is so messed up. She's, she's been hurt by religion. She, she starts getting into, if you read the text there, she starts getting into all these religious questions about, well, who's supposed to worship where and where we're supposed to go to really worship. And she, gets all the, she has all these hang-ups. And Jesus takes the time to explain things to her, to teach her. And she finally ends, it up, ends off the story with this. Well, all I know is when the Messiah comes then we'll all know the whole story. How many of you have heard people, or have been those people that say, listen, only God can judge me. Right? There's probably three of those tattoos in the building right now. I've seen so many of them. I see it on arms, on legs, on necks, on throats. Only God can judge me. So, so that's, that's, that's saying, listen, when we'll find out in the end, when the Messiah comes, when the end comes, then we'll know the whole story. And that's, that's what people tell you when they tell you, I ain't going to church with you. I ain't going this with you. I don't need to read the Bible. When the Messiah comes, when the end comes, then we'll know the whole story. And that's how she tried to blow, blow Jesus off with that. And then Jesus does something so incredible here. He reveals himself to this woman. He says, I am he. The Messiah you're talking about, that's me. I am he. If you read all through the Gospels, Jesus keeps telling people to keep it on the low. Don't tell everybody who I am. Don't tell everybody who healed you. Don't. He, he says, my time hasn't come yet. But yet, with this woman who, who the world sees as a worthless piece of trash, 
He said, he tells her, I am he. And I want to give you living water. And I fully know you. And today, I fully accept you. If you would accept me. And what was her reaction? If you read the rest of the story, it says she leaves her bucket and her water pot and she leaves everything she came with and she goes throughout the entire village shouting to everybody, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. He told me all that I ever did. How many of you would be excited if somebody told you all that you ever did? (laughs) Not me. (laughs) I'd be like... She was excited. Why? Because he revealed himself to her. He knew she didn't have to hide anything from him. She said, God, you're he. You fully know me and you still talk to me. You're a Jew and you still talk to me. You're a man and you still talk to me. You don't want nothing from me. You want to give me something. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. He fully knew me and still accepted me. The woman was amazed not only that Jesus knew the facts of her life, but that he loved her knowing the facts of her life. We sometimes fear that if someone knew all that I ever did, they could not love us. But Jesus loved the woman and he loves each and every one of us here today. He loves each and every one of us here today. You are fully known. And so there's two announcements I want to end with today. Once again, the pulpit is open every Sunday. I want to give you four minutes and a mic. Amen. You're excited. You'll be first. Oh, did you go already? You haven't yet. All right. Kayla's first on the list. I want to give you four minutes and a mic. And listen, this is to share about your life, about what God has done or what God is doing. And it's just so that you can risk. I want you to risk community. I want you to risk church. I want you to risk being fully known. If it doesn't work, you could always leave. and You never have to come back. But I promise you, once you risk being fully known and then feel being fully accepted, you'll never leave. You, we control you out. Amen? So, but, but let me just clarify something, please. Four minutes and a mic is not for you to be a junior preacher. That's the scariest thing about giving somebody a mic in church. You can say, oh, brother, brother, tell, tell everybody how good that thing was yesterday. Well, amen, all right. I uh, just happened to have four pages of notes. And I just, everybody, if you'd open your Bibles to Isaiah 46, I just want to start there because I want to say, see, the Spirit of the Lord. And like, whoa, I just said to tell them about the fishing trip. What, what's up? You give some people, they go off, they want to preach. This is not to preach. If you feel, listen to me, and I'm honest, if you feel that you're called to preach, that you want to preach, then talk to me separately about that. And we'll work with you. And we'll, we'll work with that. And we'll release that. If that's really your calling. If that's really what you want to do. We'll work with that. But I want you to understand. I really, I value this position. And I guard this pulpit. I won't let just anybody come up here. And, and ramble desparate to everybody. Alright. That means talk nonsense to my non-Spanish people. 
Um, Deparate. You got that one, Candice? Good. That's good stuff, right? So, so you know, I, 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 it's, it's to share about you and about what God is doing in you. Just so that we can know you better. Just so that you can know us better. And just so that you can test God's love and see if God would still have you fully known and yet fully accepted. Say amen. amen. And, and now that we're kind of a new, a new high tech type of thing, if you don't feel comfortable doing it on Sunday morning, you can record it. Check that. Isn't that cool? You can record it on a camcorder. Put it on a DVD or bring your camcorder with all the wires. We'll plug it in and we'll show it on a Sunday morning. So that you don't have, and then you can hide and duck in, in the back and, and we won't tell anybody where you're seated. You can hide in the office that day if you want. But, but you can do it that way too. Amen? So that's the one announcement. The next announcement is this. Another way to build authentic community on an even greater level is to meet in small groups. Because, you know, I would love for us to kind of just hang out like a living room, like we do Wednesday nights for prayer sometimes, and we get to talk with each other, and we get to share, and we'll pass the mic around, and we'll get to share and just talk and encourage one another. What's on your heart? What do you need prayer for? What, what is God doing? Give, give me a testimony, and we, we get to do that. But on a, on a Sunday with so many people, we can't do that. So in a small group is how we can, we can risk kind of just having authentic community. So next week, you heard the announcement, next week we officially launch Small Group Sunday. And that means that the first Sunday of every month, we're going to go into homes after service, break bread together and share. But I heard right now there's four groups. That means if we broke up into four groups, there'd be about 50, 60 heads in everybody's house. We can't do that. Right, So I really would love to see some more people today tell us before we leave, I'd like to open up my house and have a group. Meet one Sunday a month. We can, we can limit the time. So you can say you have people hanging out in the house, Puerto Ricans till 9, 10 o'clock at night. We can say the care group is an hour and a half and we're just going to share a little bit, eat together, talk about our experiences, and then I'm going to kick you out in love Go vaya con Dios, we'll talk next week, right? And so, you know, we can put all those kind of limits and however you want. You might be the people that love Puerto Ricans in your house till 9, 10 o'clock. And, and that's you, that's good too, you know? But we'll, we'll, let you, we'll let you do that. If you decide you want to host a group in your house, we'll even send a leader to help you lead it. It's not that you have to lead it or you have to speak or do anything. So I, I got to be honest with you, I love to see... Uh, a care group at my cousin's house in St. Lawrence Avenue. I'd love to see a care group at, um, I'm shouting people out, that's messed up, right? At Eric's house. I'd love, I'd love to see a, a group at, uh, at who? Ah, okay. All right. I'm name dropping? Yeah, 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 I am. I'd love to see a group. We need groups, Amen. Because we can't send 50 people to somebody's house. That's just not right. There are not that many hamburgers and hot dogs in the world. To, that's just really wrong to do that to people. So, so please, you know, sign up and, and let's do that. Amen? And if you're just interested in being a part, make sure you, you give us your name and everything. Mark's going to have the sheets in the back. Sign up and say, I want, I want a group to go to. Send me someplace. I don't know anybody here yet. Everybody here is pretty cool, I got to tell you. I don't know too many, you know, every, all of you yet, but people here are pretty cool. And if somebody's not, let us know. So we could tell them to get the step and they're in the wrong place. Amen? 
I want to end with this. I want you to watch this little clip. Kelly, if you get that ready. It's a modern day. Oh, Kelly's not there. That's Mr. Oh. If you get that clip ready for me, I just want to see the start of it up, at the, up on the wall there. This is a modern day spoken word spoken by a young person speaking as the woman at the well. I want you to listen to this. I am a woman of no distinction, of little importance. I am a woman of no reputation save that which is bad. You whisper as I pass by and cast judgmental glances, though you don't really take the time to look at me or even get to know me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known, and otherwise what's the point in doing either one of them in the first place? I want to be known. I want someone to look at my face and not just see two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears, but to see all that I am and could be, all my hopes, loves, and fears. That's too much to hope for, to wish for, or pray for, so I don't, not anymore. Now I keep to myself, and by that I mean the pain, pain that keeps me in my own private jail, the pain that's brought me here at midday to this well. To ask for a drink is no big request, but to ask it of me, a woman unclean, ashamed, used and abused, an outcast, a failure, a disappointment, a sinner. No drink passing from these hands to your lips could ever be refreshing, only condemning, as I'm sure you condemn me now, but you don't. You're a man of no distinction, though of the utmost importance, a man with little reputation, at least so far. You whisper and tell me to my face what all those glances have been about, and you take the time to really look at me, but don't need to get to know me for to be known is to be loved and to be loved is to be known and you know me you actually know me all of me and everything about me every thought inside and hair on top of my head every hurt stored up every hope every dread my past and my future all I am and could be you tell me everything you tell me about me and that which is spoken by another would bring hate and condemnation. Coming from you brings love, grace, mercy, hope, and salvation. I've heard of one to come who would save a wretch like me. And here in my presence you say I am he. To be known is to be loved. And to be loved is to be known. And I just met you, but I love you. I don't know you, but I want to get to. Let me run back to town. This is way too much for just me. There are others, brothers, sisters, lovers, haters, the good and the bad, sinners and saints, who should hear what you've told me, who should see what you've shown me, who should taste what you gave me, who should feel how you forgave me. For to be known is to be loved. And to be loved is to be known. And they all need this too. We all do need it for our own. Amen. Amen. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Listen, I don't care how far you feel. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you've done. How, 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 how separated and far from God you may feel today. Daddy brought you today. Papi's letting you know today that he knows you. That you, to him, are fully known. And today, you can be fully accepted. If we would just keep our heads bowed for a moment. I'm going to ask you to to do something bold. If that's you, if you're saying, man, I, I, I've, I've heard of this, I, I've, I've, I've read of this, and people have told me of this, but, but man, I, I kind of understand it now. Daddy knows me. 
I am fully known. And, and so I, don't, I could stop hiding. I could stop pretending. I could stop faking it. And I can risk being fully known so that God can fully accept me. If that's you, would you just stand? You're saying, God, I, I, I want to be accepted today. I'm tired of lying. I'm tired of cheating. I'm tired of covering up my lies and my cheating. I'm, I'm, tired, of, I'm tired of all of this. I just want to be finally known. I want to put it all out there and say, God, if you could love me, then I'll love you, God. I'll, I'll taste and see, God. And the awesome thing is that the word of God says that while we were yet sinners, he died on the cross for you and for me. While you were a sinner, it wasn't after you started getting your life together. It wasn't after you started coming to church. It wasn't after you stopped or started doing anything. It was while you was dead in your sin, he died for you. So that today you could feel fully accepted. Now you've already made a bold statement. You've already stood up. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing today. Would you just come and join me? Would you come and stand with me? We're just gonna, we're gonna have the, some people speak life into you. We're gonna have some people pray with you. We're gonna have, Gary, if we can have the prophetic team kind of just come and surround these people. And, 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 and I want them to have their own prophetic conference today. Just for a few moments, I want you to speak life into each and every one of those that, that, and let them know that they're fully accepted today. Church, those of you who are sitting, would you, would you really put your hands together for God and, and, and rejoice and rejoice? Would you show everyone standing here that we love them, that they're, that they're accepted into this body, that they're accepted in this church, that they don't have to fake it anymore, that they don't have to front, but that we love them just the way they are, just the way we're dressed just the way we smell, just the way we act, and we're going to love you just that way, and the rest of it will let God deal with it. Amen. Go ahead, team. Just start to pray for them. Start to pray for them as we just worship softly in the back. I want you to just speak some life into these. Speak life into them. There's some up here that they just need a hug. They don't even need any word. They just need a hug. They just need somebody to love them. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.